Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. We're taking seven weeks to process through some monumental moments, some times, some experiences in the Bible where men and women of faith encountered the very presence of God. And in and through those experiences, we're watching the life change or the occurrence of what happened in that moment. This morning's story is no different than any others. When God showed up, things begin to happen. But why are we talking about encounter? I know I've shared this over the last five weeks, but I've got to share it again. We believe that is what God has called us to hold upon for the year 2019. But as we do that in 2019, it will further into the future of our lives and impact future generations as we desire and long to encounter the presence of God. But I hear what you're thinking right now. Well, Pastor, all of these people that you're talking about All these encounters in the Bible that we're talking about, these were mighty men and women of faith. No, they were people just like you and and just like me that, that had a desire to come face to face with God Almighty. They were people like you and like me that that messed up from time to time. Yet they still had a desire to approach the very presence of God. I don't know if you felt it a while ago, but we got towards the end of worship and suddenly I experienced, I felt the presence of God fall upon this place. God is here in this house today. God is with us today. And I want to challenge you over the next few minutes to open up your hearts and open up your minds and let God speak into your life today. This morning, I want to take a few moments and talk about an encounter that maybe doesn't appear to be life-changing. It's not like our last few encounters. But what I want you to understand is not every single encounter with God is going to be a burning bush moment where Moses is walking along and suddenly the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's not always going to be an all-night wrestling match, which we heard about last week sometimes it's just the presence of the lord that changes us sets us on a new path and gives us a new focus you see sometimes god desires just to show up amen sometimes god just wants to be in our presence Sometimes God just wants to be amongst what's going on in your life. I challenge you today, look for those moments. Pursue those moments. Run to those moments. Let God speak into your life. Let God encounter you today. Our text is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13, and it says this. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and children. And I I read that and I was was thinking to myself, what's the difference between little ones and children? (laughs) There must have been some short people with them. (laughs) They stood with the short people, the wives and children. That's my own 
interpretation of that. The Spirit of the Lord came upon them, upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Now, look at this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Why am I discussing such a small encounter? It doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord fell upon all of the men that gathered with their little ones, their wives, and their children. It doesn't say that the Spirit of the Lord fell upon the entire nation of Judah. It doesn't say that the Spirit of the Lord encompassed all of them. But the Spirit of the Lord fell on one. Just one. Why are we taking the time to talk about an encounter of one man with God? Because I feel that too often we miss the moment with God. Because we think he can only show up in the the booming experience. God wants to show up in your situation today. Have you ever had one of those days where it seemed like nothing could go right? Everything was piling up against you. You lose your job. Your toilet stool overflows. Your water heater goes out. Your car won't start. Now you can't even find your keys. You burn your supper. You can't sleep at night. Everything seems to be going wrong. Have you ever been there before? If ever you have felt... That life is ganging up on you. This message is for you today. You see, God wants to encounter you right where you are. He wants to speak hope into your situation. He wants to speak life into what may seem lifeless right now. Let me give you a little backstory of our encounter today. There are three enemies that rise up against the nation of Judah. They all decide to get together and gang up upon this little nation. Verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minuites came to make war with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king. We have big trouble facing Jehoshaphat. We have Big trouble facing the nation of Judah. Three to one odds. By the way, you have three to one odds or enemies against you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They're all ganging upon us every single day. But verse 2 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 shows us the natural response of the king. How is the king going to respond when suddenly he is faced with such opposition? You would think he's the king. He's going to stand before the people and say, don't worry, people. We've got this. What's the Bible say? Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. The leader of the nation, the king of the people, was terrified. Our typical reaction when facing a crisis is fear. When things fall apart, when people gang up on us, when every situation and every circumstance seems to be conspiring against you, your natural response oftentimes is fear. Some translations say that Jehoshaphat was shaken. Others say he was alarmed. 
Still others say he was afraid. The issue is not, is he afraid? The issue is not, are you afraid? The issue and the question is, how will you respond when you're afraid? What are you going to do when opposition arises? Do you get discouraged? Do you throw in the towel? Do you simply give up? Do you get tired of the hassle? Do you stop trying? Do you just give in to the circumstance and the situation? Do you turn toward the enemy? Where do you go? What do you do? What's your response? Are you intimidated or are you motivated by incredible odds? Today, I want to look at six steps to a miracle encounter. I know some of you are, are concerned right now, and you're like Jehoshaphat. You're afraid because I said six points. Just to reassure you, point one has three subpoints. It'll be okay. We're going to make it out of here well before noon. Step number one, by the way, if second service starts coming in, just move toward the middle, make room for them, and we'll just continue on. It's going to be okay. It's, it's, it's warm in here. It's cold out there, so you're good. All right, six steps to a miracle encounter. Number one, when opposition arises, turn to Jesus and pray. When opposition arises, turn to Jesus and pray. Now, pastor, why are you sharing that? That seems way too obvious. Because sometimes we miss the obvious. Sometimes when opposition arises, sometimes when difficulty comes our way, sometimes when we have the three coming against us, sometimes when we feel like we're being ganged upon us, ganged up upon, rather than turning to Jesus and pray, we throw in the towel, we give up, we get worried, we get concerned, and we're overwhelmed by the situation, much like that of Jehoshaphat's. Look what the Bible says. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. Have you ever been that desperate? God, I plead with you right now. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. To seek the Lord's help. What I want you to understand today is Jesus is our solution. In the midst of opposition, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of strife, in the midst of worry, Jesus is always the answer. Verse 5 goes on to say this, King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them and prayed aloud. He cried out to God. He's facing incredible odds. He's terrified. He's full of fear. He sees the opposition. The very thing he does is turns his face toward God. Listen very carefully. If you are facing opposition in your life, don't turn and embrace the opposition. Turn and embrace the solution. Listen carefully. If you are facing opposition in life, do not turn and embrace the opposition. Turn and embrace the solution. 
I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the course of many years of ministry. They're in the middle of struggle. They're in the middle of strife. And they're going, I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And they find themselves embracing the problem. And they wonder why their life is struggling. My response is always the same. Turn to Jesus. Stop making foolish choices. Stop embracing the problem. Stop accepting the problem. But on the cross of Calvary, Jesus declared, it is finished. That's my favorite quote ever. It is finished. That applies to every area of my life and your life. That means your struggles, your situations, your problems, your addictions, your whatever. Jesus got it. It's finished in Jesus' name. He conquered it on the cross of Calvary for you. If you're facing opposition in life, don't turn and embrace the opposition. Turn and embrace the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. Prayer ought to be our very first choice. It should be the very first thing that we turn to when facing incredible odds. Not the last resort. How many times have we heard this? Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. Someone else responds, has it come to that? Really? Like when we've tried everything else, when we've attempted everything else on our own, when we've worried all that we can worry, when everything else is piling up, then I'm going to pray. Why not pray first? The Bible says that Jehoshaphat rallied the people together and began to seek the very face of God. He stepped out in front of the people and began to pray. We ought to pray first when we're facing opposition. First when we're facing struggles and difficulties. You need to learn to pray how Jehoshaphat prayed. And and in his prayer, in just a a few scriptures here, we see some very insightful things that we can learn from. Number one, three things to remember. Number one, remind yourself who God is. See, sometimes, anybody else guilty of this, sometimes we forget how big God is. We kind of get in our routine of, of life And we forget that that God created the universe. That God spoke life into, into order. We forget that nothing is impossible for him. And, and we put our difficulty in God on this same plane. And, and we think, man, God, if you're able to conquer this, God, if you can do this, God, if you're, if you're able to, to overcome this, God, would, would you do it? Would you, would you mind doing it? And we think that somehow God is here and, and there's some things that are beyond his control. You got to remind yourself who God is. Because the bigger your God is, the smaller your situation becomes. Let me say that again. Some of you need to grab a hold of that. The bigger your God is, the smaller your situation becomes. So I ask you today, how big is your God? Which is larger, your God or your difficulty? Your God or your opposition? 
Which one is more powerful? You've got to remind yourself who God is. Verse 6 says this, He, Jehoshaphat, prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. The first thing that you need to do when you're praying for a miracle, when you're praying for an encounter with God, is remind yourself who God is. One of my goals in this series is to help you see how big God really is. And I'm hoping as we're five weeks into this thing, you're beginning to understand you can't contain him. Just about the moment in time you think you've got yourself wrapped around who he is, he knocks open the top of that box and does something amazing and, and massive in your life. My God can do all things. Nothing is too difficult for him. I want to help you understand just truly how big God really is. If you get that, this series has been success. I want you to realize how big, big God is, and there's no problem, no opposition, no difficulty too large. The second thing you need to remind yourself of is this. Remind yourself that God is in control. Remind yourself who God is, but also remind yourself that God is in control. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6, the second portion, says, You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Say that last portion with me. And no one can stand against you. Say that one more time with conviction. And no one can stand against you. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What does that tell me? That no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how large the opposition, no matter how many of them pile together to come against me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Remember, God is in control. Nothing is too hard for him. The Bible says with God all things are possible. When you need a miracle, when you need a breakthrough, when you need a mighty encounter with God, remind yourself that he alone, God alone is in control. Number three, remind yourself of what God has done in the past. Remind yourself of what God has done in the past. Verse 7 says, Oh, our God. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of our friend Abraham? He said, God, remember all the things that you've done in the past. Now, I don't really think that Jehoshaphat has taken a moment to remind God because somehow God has a lapse of memory. But I think Jehoshaphat was, was seeing the fear begin to well up inside of his life. And he began to think of who God really is and what God has really done. And that God was fully in control. And he began to recap those things in his life. God, I remember the time. Come on. Let me encourage you. When you're facing opposition in your life. When you're facing difficulties in your life, take a moment and remember the things that God has done. 
God, I remember when you met me at. God, I remember when you healed me of. God, I remember when you showed up. If you've got nothing else, God, I remember when you saved my soul, when you forgave my sins, when you set me free, when you washed me white as snow. God, I remember the sacrifice that you made for me. Would you do it again? Come on, look at this. He goes on to say in verse 12, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. In other words, would you do it again? Lord, you've done it in the past. Lord, you drove them out before. God, you gave us victory before. Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're dependent completely and solely dependent upon you today. Would you do it again? Step number two, when opposition arises, this was hard, admit your need. That's hard, isn't it? We would rather whine about our need. We'd rather tweet about our need. We'd rather post on Facebook about our need. We'd rather raise up all sorts of pampering around us and get people to pat us on the back and hand us tissues and tell us it's going to be all right. Right? But I don't really want to admit that I can't take care of this. Any 12-step program that a person would go through, one of the very first points is you've got to admit there's an issue. Oh, now I hear some of you right now. Oh, well, pastor, I'm not going through a 12-step program. Maybe you need to. <laughs> Just saying. By the way, we're starting a living free class here in the near future. You can go through that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, when opposition arises, admit your need. The second portion of verse 12 says, We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Confess your inability. Confess your inadequacy. Confess to God, Lord, I can't do this. I need your help. I truly believe that you will never experience a miracle encounter in your life until you realize and admit that you have a need. Let me, let me say that again. Some of you need to let that sink in. I truly believe that you will never, ever, 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 ever experience a miracle encounter with God until you come to that place that you realize and admit that you have a need. I can't do it on my own. When you compare verse 12, we don't know what to do, with verse 6, you are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. You are moments away from your miracle encounter. God, I, I don't know what to do right now. Lord, this is so overwhelming in my life. I have dug this pit so deep that I don't even know how to start to get out. But you are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. 
God, I don't know what to do, but I know that I know that I know that you alone are mighty and powerful. Lord, I don't know how to face this problem, but here's what I do know, God. You are more than able. Admit your inadequacy and give it to God. Step number three, when opposition arises, focus on God, not your problems. Come on, look at that. Focus on God, not your problems. You see, in verse 12, they said, we don't know what to do. But what's the second portion? What did they follow up with? But we are looking to you for help. We are looking to God for help. He is the only one that can meet us where we are. God, I can't go back to the beginning. God, I don't know how to face this anymore. I'm not enough by myself. But God, when you show up, God, when you step in to my situation, God, when you step in to my overwhelming circumstance, I know that I know that the answer is on its way. Some of you, if you'd be honest with yourself today, when the opposition comes along, out of fear, you embrace it. You wouldn't want to admit that openly, but it's the truth. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an attitude problem, struggle, whatever it is. When that opposition comes, rather than turning to God and focusing upon God, for some reason you turn to that problem, that opposition, and you feed it, and you feed it, and you feed it, and you feed it. And guess what? The more you feed it, the more it grows. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you, oh God, for help. We focus upon the circumstance rather than focus on the solution. They get down, you get discouraged. You don't know what to do. But here's the deal. God never designed you to be controlled by circumstances. Did you know that? God never created you to be controlled by opposition. The Bible says that God created you to be an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror through Christ, through what he's done on the cross. Listen carefully. Some of you today, you're you're here and you feel defeated in life. Kind of like Jehoshaphat, you're you're scared. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. I would challenge you in this moment, in this time, don't focus upon the problem. Focus upon the solution. Focus on God. If you look at our culture and you look at society, many people are in a panic. They're watching the news or they're searching through social media. And suddenly they're, they're overwhelmed. They're saying, look how bad things are getting. And let me I'll be honest with you. It's easy to get there. And I watch a lot of those little videos that pop up on my Facebook account. And I think, what are we doing? What is our nation doing? 
we, we are just spiraling downward quick. And it would be so easy to look at that and go, let's give up. Let's throw in the towel. But I want to challenge you. Turn to God. Turn to God. He's the solution. He's what we need. Step number four, when opposition arises, listen carefully for God. Now, there's a difference. I I could have said listen carefully to God. But I think first and foremost, before we can listen to God, we have to listen for God. Are are you following me here? The Bible says in, in verse 14, our text, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men. Now, why didn't it come upon the entire nation of Israel? Because I believe that only one man was truly listening for God. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. The Spirit of the Lord said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by the mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Listen to this. Listen, all you people of Jerusalem, Judea, and Bethel Assembly. This is what the Lord says says do not be afraid don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours but god's now we tell our kids all the time you have to choose your friends wisely bad company corrupts good character We tell our friends these things, right? So why is it sometimes we don't, as parents, follow our own advice? Where am I going with that? The Bible says that one man was open to an encounter with God. One man allowed God to speak into him. And I find it interesting, it wasn't the king. It wasn't the leader, it was This one man, Jehaziel. So I ask you today, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are listening for God? Are they God chasers? Or are they problem chasers? Now, now we know the difference. I'm not going to ask you this morning if you have friends that are problem chasers. But I challenge you, look at your circle. Look at the influences in your life. Are you surrounding yourself with people that are searching after, that are seeking after the very face of God? See, in this moment, this one man had a moment-changing encounter. When opposition confronts you, are you willing and are you allowing all that God is to encounter your situation? Because what did God say? 
Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The battle is not yours, but mine. That includes your circumstance. That includes your opposition. That includes your problems. They are his problems. You're having marital difficulties? Guess what? They're God's. You're having financial difficulties? Guess what? They're God's. You have an addiction? Guess what? It's not your battle. It's God's. Give it to him. I've often heard people say, well, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Do you know why we get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Because we're trying to play God. Right? We're trying to fight a battle that was never ours to fight. The battle is not yours, it's God's. We're trying to do something we were never created to do. We are more than a conqueror, which means he is the conqueror. We reap the benefits. Now, some of you surely are excited about this this morning. We're trying to solve problems that aren't our problems. We're trying to solve our neighbor's problems. We're trying to solve everyone else's problems. Try to do it on your own and you fall flat in your face every time and you come crawling back to God. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I wanted to do great things for you. I went out with good intentions. God, I really let you down this time. I'm so sorry, God. I let you down. I shouldn't have done that. Well, here's the problem with that statement. You don't hold God up. He holds you up. You can't let down something you're not holding up. It's not your battle. It's his. You don't have God in your hands. I remember the song that we used to sing as a little kid. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. The words were really hard. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the itty-bitty babies, right? He's got the mamas and the papas. I don't know why you had to growl when you say mamas. Mamas and the papas. But God's got it all in his hands. It's his battle. It's our responsibility just to lean upon him, to turn to him, to rely upon him, to let him fight the battle on our behalf. See, when opposition arises, you've got to listen very carefully for God to speak. Moses had to approach the burning bush, right? Encounter after encounter, there had to be steps of faith. In this moment, God says, would you just listen to me? Would you let me speak into your life? Step number five this morning. When opposition arises, stand firm. This is difficult sometimes because by this moment in time, we've experienced this opposition for quite some time and it's, it's become overwhelming to the point that we can barely stand. We're feeling overcome by the weight and the pressure of the opposition. But I want to challenge you today, when that opposition comes your way, stand firm. Look what it says in verse 16 and 17. Tomorrow, march down against them. He tells the, the nation of Judah. March against this three-threaded 
threat. It's hard to say, three threaded threats. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Drool. You will not have to fight this battle. Did you catch that? You will not have to fight this battle. Why? Because it's not our battle to fight. I just told him, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't fear the army that's coming your way. This is not your battle. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. I say to you today, as you face this opposition in your life, take your position and stand firm. Take your position and stand firm. You will not have to fight for the battle is not yours. Take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Now, this isn't the first time that we've heard this idea of standing firm. In Ephesians chapter 6, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, in other words, when the opposition comes your way, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. After you have done everything to stand, you've turned to God, you've focused on Him and not the opposition. You've listened carefully for him to speak. You've approached his encounter. You've done everything you can to stand. Now stand firm. God is telling us this morning, just as he told the nation of Judah, when you come up against incredible odds, stand your ground. The battle is not I don't know about you, but I like a battle that I don't have to fight. Just stand. Stand firm. Take your position and watch God take action. He said it's not your battle. I challenge you today. Lean upon him. Trust in him. He will work it out. Why? Here's the question. Has God ever lost a battle? No. He has a 100% success rate. He never loses. He always wins. Therefore, he says, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be discouraged. The battle's not yours. And finally, step number six. When opposition arises, thank God in advance. How many of you would agree with me that it's difficult to thank God when you're facing opposition?
three of you agree with me. Praise God. No, seriously, how many of you would agree with me? It's difficult in that moment, opposition's coming up against you. You feel like you're being beat on every side. It's difficult in that moment to praise God. Get up in the morning, your basement's flooded. Most of the time, your first reaction isn't, give thanks to God, we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the flood waters. You go out to start your car. Oh, thank you, God, for a dead battery. Hallelujah. You wake up at 3 a.m. and you're sick. Thank you, Lord, for stomach problems. Praise God. It's hard to do, isn't it? You get that phone call with a discouraging news. It's hard. Take a look what happens here. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 22, what we have happening is on one mountain we have the three enemy nations rallying. They're ready to conquer this small nation of Judah. On the other side, you have King Jehoshaphat who is shaking in his boots. They're going down the mountain. They're ready to battle against one another. And King Jehoshaphat gives them his mighty plan. Do you want to hear the plan? I knew you did. Verse 21 says, After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Let me say that again. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his glorious splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Let's go down the battle. There's more of us or more of them than there are of us. We're going to go down. Let's, let's give God praise, though. But that's what they did. They began to give God praise despite the opposition in their life. They begin to give God thanks. Lord, you are so mighty. You are so faithful. You endure forever. Look what it says in verse 22. At that very moment. <laughs> Come on, look at that. It doesn't say when they drew their sword for battle, when they charged the enemy forces, when they ran after the opposition. No, 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 no. When they began to give God praise, then at that moment, oh, I haven't told you what happens. They began to sing and give praise to the Lord. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Now, that, that's, that's a good moment. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out and gathered the plunder, all of the remaining stuff. 
they found a vast amount of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Jehoshaphat comes to his troops. He said, I know that we're outnumbered, but I want the choir to go out in front. I I want our our worship team to step out in front. Pastor Andy, if you'll lead the ranks on this, I I want you guys just to worship God and give God praise. We're We're gonna go forward. Bring your tambourines, bring your trumpets, bring your cymbals, bring anything that you wanna worship God with. We're gonna give thanks to God. And they went down in the valley. The Bible says at the very moment they begin to praise God, the Lord caused the enemy to begin to fight against itself. So my question is this, when are you going to start thanking God in the situation? When are you going to start thanking God in the midst of the turmoil and the struggle of life? See, if you wait until he gives the answer to give him praise and thank him, that's not faith. Anyone can do that. Faith is thanking God in advance. That's what King Jehoshaphat, that's what the uh, nation of Judah, that's what they did. They began to give God praise in advance. And God met the need. The battle was not theirs. But here's what I find interesting. Not only did God fight the battle for them, but he gave them a blessing on the other side. Did you catch that? Not only did God battle for them, but when all the dust settled, when everything was finished, they collected so much stuff, it took them three days to collect it all. I mean, that's the greatest flea market find ever. to say to you today I don't know the opposition that you're facing but I know who's ready to battle on your behalf the question is are we ready to give it to him are we ready to listen for him are we ready to turn to him the battle's not yours it's his